Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. If you're a Dirt Late Model fan and keep up with the sport on Twitter, you've probably seen tweets from Jacqueline Rumley. Whether it be Lucas or the Outlaws or any number of other big tracks or events, you've probably seen her providing live updates, and especially so if the KNL Rumley number 6 is racing. But did you know that Jacqueline has an MBA and teaches in the motorsports program at Rowan Cabarrus Community College here in North Carolina? Or that she helps run the business of Longhorn Chassis, including filling merch orders, keeping their website and social media updated, and helping with the books? Jacqueline joins me this time on the show to chat about her moving from her native Canada to North Carolina to pursue a career in motorsports, trying to network and find ways to work in racing, the many hats she wears during a typical week, and her coming full circle to teach at the program she was originally a student in. If you're interested in working in motorsports or are curious about the business of racing, this is a great episode to check out. Please enjoy my conversation with Jacqueline Rumley. I want to start with your kind of own motorsports journey. And I, I, you know, I was just telling you before, like, I feel like you're kind of one of those constant voices, at least on, on late model Twitter, uh, if that exists, um, that we, you know, we see a lot from, but you kind of have your own motorsports journey that, that kind of starts, you know, when you're younger and you move to North Carolina for other reasons, but like, give me some idea about that background and, and what brought you to North Carolina in the first place. I mean, that's what brought me to North Carolina. So I grew up um, like local dirt tracks. My parents were always involved. They never really had cars up until I was a teenager. So my dad like worked on cars. My mom ran, she created the souvenir programs and sold them and ran the junior fan club and that kind of thing. And then um, once I got into around high school, my mom bought my dad a race car because that's a great anniversary present is what it was. Um, he <laughs> that's never an drove. Awesome, that's an drive. awesome wife. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she loves racing just as much, maybe more than probably all of us, but, um, so they bought a late model. There's only one track in our area that race late models on a regular basis. So then they created this mini series to travel through, um, Southwestern Ontario, like Oshwegan, Merrittville, Brighton, Cornwall, places like that. So that series went, um, ran for about 10 years. And so I was in high school at the time. So here I was running their Facebook page. There wasn't, wasn't Twitter at the time, created their website, did hospitality, that kind of thing. Um, so then it came to a point like, oh, I need to figure out what I want to do after high school. So I'm like, well, I love racing. And then I knew about this motorsports program in North Carolina. So I'm like, I'm going to go to school for motorsports management. So when I moved to North Carolina, everyone's like, oh, you moved here for school. What school did you go to? And I'm like, Rowan Cabarrus Community College. <laughs> like you moved here for a community college. I'm like, yeah. Um, so then it kind of went from there. So yeah, I was always around racing and I'm like, well, you might as well. They always say if you, um, you never work a day in life if you do something you love, right? So I'm like, I've always around racing. That's all I knew. Um, so I moved here to study motorsports management. Do you think that, and, and, and I guess, you know, the other people that you're going to school for this thing, like, did you almost like have a leg up over them because you had had like so much practical experience, like kind of coming in? It's actually crazy. Like it probably is about half and half. Like half of them were like kids just from around here who was like, oh, that's a cool program. I'm going to do it. The other half were people that moved from all over the country to come to this program too. And they all grew up in racing at the same time. Like I was in the program at the same time as like this um, Jordan Bland. He doesn't race anymore, but at the time he was like racing World of Outlaws for Rookie mm -hmm. of the Year. And he was in the program. Um, Brandon McReynolds was in the program. Um, I would help him with his homework half the time, <laughs> but and we had, there was a lot of racers actually in the program. Cause I think they kind of looked at it. Like they didn't really want to go to college, but their parents wanted them to. So they're like, I'm going to do a racing program. So, I mean, I was about even with them, but I was definitely the only international student. That's for sure. What, uh, like, what kind of things does that program teach you? And, and I guess even now with, you know, you're kind of, you've come full circle and now you're back teaching yeah. in that program, but yeah, like, what kind of things can someone expect when they do that? 
yeah, it's a pretty cool moment. Like uh, it was like 11 years later, I came back in it as an instructor now. So it's an associate degree program. So it's like two, two and a half years. And the um, the best thing about the program, it's both focuses on the technology side and the business side of the um, industry. So we have seven core courses. The rest are all just generic um, classes, but we have like fabrication and chassis. And then we have more sports marketing and organizational mobility, which is like logistical stuff. So it, and then they have their electives where they can focus more on, okay, say they want to do like welding and fabrication and machining. They can do, take those classes. Or if they want to go more into the business, which was me, like you can take like entrepreneurship, um, social media, other marketing classes and stuff like that, um, accounting, whatnot. So they come out pretty well-rounded where they can kind of decide if they want to work in the front office or back in the shop type of thing. Um, so it's, I think it, it's pretty, cause the only other motorsports programs around here are four-year business degrees. Um, and uh, most of, uh, most of the students in the program right now actually want to be more tech anyway. So um, it's awesome. What, uh, like, what kind of involvement is there from kind of the industry with that program? Like, are you guys able to like almost place people? Like, is there, you know, are there people you're bringing up to help like talk at classes? Like, how does that kind of work? Yeah. So we have the opposite problem from when I was in the program. So um, enrollment's kind of down just probably because of COVID and, and the changes in racing and all that kind of thing. So when I was in the program, like everybody was fighting for like one job, like you had 10 people, like I want to get, no, I want to get it. Now I'm having people reaching out to me like, Hey, I need students. I need students. And I'm like, I don't have anybody like I do, but I mean, I don't have, there's way more jobs than there are students. Yeah. Roush Yates um, engines just reached out. They're looking for um, engine teardown people. Um, we have a relationship with Hendrick. They donated us some show cars for our shop. Um, our shop is kind of um, under construction right now. And then with COVID, we had some backlogs. So we really don't have a shop to teach in right now. So actually Spire is allowing us to use their shop kind of to um, teach the students these lab classes. Cause right now we're offering fabrication and chassis. And obviously you can only learn so much online for those classes. So we're going down there tonight, um, Kevin, Bellacore is kind of helping um, teach those classes. So we really appreciate that. So yeah, we have a lot of industry ties and whatnot. And it's, um, we're very thankful that it's, it, the program's been around for 20 years. So that helps too, because a lot of people know people who have gone through the program. When you are going through it yourself, were you doing internships? Were you working somewhere? Like, you know, were yeah. you trying to kind of get your foot in the door? Like, what did that look like? I mean, I worked my butt off. So since I was a Canadian um, student, I wasn't allowed to work because I only had work. I mean, student status. I couldn't get work status. So I did internships like crazy internships, volunteer, whatever. I did an internship at Concord Speedway. Um, I did 600 racing. I did like a whole year of um, their memberships type of thing, like all the paperwork for it. Uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, I, I ran the ticket booth during the um, summer shootout and at the dirt track races. I was kind of everywhere, like just to get my name out there. I ran, I had these little business cards I would give out to everybody at all these networking events. I would uh, volunteer at the NCMA banquet every year and doing like registration and check-in. I did like anything I could to kind of get it out there. And then really that's what led to my first job because when I was at 600 Racing, um, I met Bruce Silver and I got my first job at racing electronics after I graduated. So. Do you think that like, as you kind of are dealing with students and, and, uh, you know, being as how you're now the teacher and kind of looking back over your own, like, do you find that, you know, those students realize what it kind of takes and like all of those internships and all of that hustling you did to kind of get to where they want? Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, not really. <laughs> I try. I, I try to tell them. I'm like, hey, you need to like in, intro to motorsports management is our first class um, that all of them have to take. And it's a, just a basic intro to everything that we cover. And I have a whole week dedicated to professionalism, networking. I make them create a LinkedIn account, make a professional resume. I'm like, you need to do as many volunteer opportunities as possible. And it's partially because our enrollment is down too. But yeah, there's it's 
rare to find a student who is willing to put in that work. Um, I have to say, like, you have to have a passion to work in this sport. It's not just going to be handed to you. And um, some of them don't make it because they don't put the work in, really. Yeah, for sure. And like I, I've dealt with that even on my own side in, in the NASCAR stuff. You have people reach mm -hmm. out to you all the time that want to that want to get into being pit crew members or whatever. And it's like, like I am in this sport, not because I was dramatically more talented than anyone else. It's because mm -hmm. I was just dumber than everyone else. And I just stuck around. And I like when I got <laughs> fired, I, I came back. Yeah, like I just I just yeah. kept coming back. But like, I feel like you kind of run into that a lot with people that want to work in motorsports. And it's like, it mm -hmm. seems like it's this great idea. And it's going to be so much fun, but they don't realize how much work it really is. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, is there a way that you can even like convey that to the students that you're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis besides um, just being like, it's really hard. <laughs> I just tell them, I'm like, Hey, I, I get all these, I get people who reach out to me like, Hey, do you have any students who might want to do this internship or volunteer for this weekend? And I, I blast out an email to all the students and I'm lucky if I get like one response and I'm like, I do that once a week, every couple of weeks. And then I tell them like in my announcements, in my lectures, I'm like, you need to do this if you want to do this type of thing. So, I mean, it gets a little frustrating from the instructor point of view, because I'm like, I'm thinking when I was in this program, I had to work my butt off and I like wanted to be there. And then when you have some that maybe don't have the same passion, it's a little frustrating, but I mean, you, you can only force them to do so much. Like, I mean, as long as all I can make them do is their homework. <laughs> yeah. When you're kind of on this journey, obviously like a lot of the stuff around here is so pavement focused and NASCAR and late models mm -hmm. and all that type of stuff. Where was dirt racing for you in, in all of this as you're kind of learning and coming through the program? Yeah, it was, um, I learned a lot about the NASCAR side because I only was a, a race fan before I moved here. Like I only knew NASCAR like on TV. Like I remember when I was first moved here and I would see like a NASCAR driver at a restaurant, I'd be like, oh, <gasps> Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, like starstruck kind of thing. Now it's just normal. But I mean, I even run into that a little bit now with my teaching, like I'm still way more proficient in the dirt racing side of things. Um, so I have to reach out to my industry contacts to help me with the NASCAR side of things. But luckily, I do have um, enough contacts to help me out. And then my boss, the program chair, his name's Pat Wood. Uh, he's kind of worked a little bit of everywhere. So he knows a lot of people too. So he'll connect me with people to kind of help teach my classes type of thing. Like I'm, I'll admit when I am not an expert on something and that's why you just, you admit that and you bring somebody in who is better at it than you type of thing. What, uh, like what kind of jobs, like, you know, you said you, you went to work for racing electronics, like what kind mm -hmm. of things were you doing once you got out of the program and then started kind of advancing your career? Yeah. I mean, so my racing electronics job I did for the, uh, 2009 NASCAR, um, season. So I was 21. I got to go to every NASCAR race. Like that was pretty cool. Um, paid. Okay. Like, I mean, it was decent. I didn't have that many bills other than student loans, which was awful. But, um, then I ran into an issue where I needed to renew my work visa and I found out I, this is research I should have done before, um, that I couldn't renew it considering my educational level. I guess you have to have a four-year degree to get an actual work visa. So I went back to school for two more years to get my, um, management degree degree. And because I remember I was at, I think I was in Phoenix and I'm talking to these lawyers trying to figure out how to stay. And they're like, can you get married? I'm like, I don't even have a boyfriend. Like, <laughs> So I ended up going back to school. And then um, I worked actually, um, do you know, Brad Smith with Velocita Suits? Mm -hmm. I worked there for about three years, kind of under the table um, while I was doing my bachelor's degree. It was kind of when Velocita was just getting started. So I did like everything in the front office. Like, I mean, it was only me and him. So I did all the ordering. I dealt with all the manufacturers and all that and the art and all that kind of stuff. So that helped actually with um, now me doing my merchandise stuff on the side. But anyway, um, so then I got my job at JKS. So I was there for seven years. I'm surprised you even know what JKS is. It's like, it's so behind the scenes that 
a lot of people don't know about this. I've been around the sport a long time. I know what JKS yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, I've been changing tires people, for 15 years. So yeah. So if I say JKS, people are like, what? Yeah. I'm like, well, they're like, I, I explained it. They're like the marketing liaison to companies or teams or whatnot. Cause like, so I was the executive assistant. So I did all the fun paperwork and stuff like that. And then yeah. that's when I got my job at um, the school. So I, I started at Rowan Cabarrus in February, 2019. So I've been there just over two years now. Expand a little bit on JKS and kind of the things that they had did. And, and I know JKS is obviously, you know, kind of not the same now, but they've been but, hit hard. Yeah. yeah so, but like, give me an idea about what that was and, and kind of what it was at the height of its, of its kind of. Yeah. I think rating. I was probably brought in a little bit right after the, the, the height of the, of them. I think they had their major success in like the early, like the 2000s, 2010s. And I brought, I, I started there in 2012. Um, but JK, it's like so hard. That's why I mean, it's so hard to put them into like a category because they do so much. So at the time they did all of the sprint contracts basically in terms of signage. So all of their um, banners and posters and the like trophy stand, um, everything decal wise, um, all the track painting. So not only for sprint, but for a lot of the tracks themselves too. So they would do all sprint graphics on the walls and then the track would also hire us to do like paint, like Charlotte type of thing, Charlotte Motor Speedway and how they have the turn three, like um, writing and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Then we had show cars. So there's a whole show car department. Uh, when I was there, they had Napa was like their biggest one. There's two show cars with Napa. And then we did a lot of Hendrick show cars. Um, so all the logistics. So not only build the show car, do all the graphics and all the logistics for them and all the scheduling and all that. And then we also did a lot of commercials. So if a production company like ESPN or Fox bidded out um, a commercial, these um, production companies would come to us and want um, cars for commercials. And we would have like stunt drivers, like Ed Barrier is our main, was our main fab guy. And he'd be the stunt driver. And, you know, he was like loving it because he's retired. And he's like, I get to go race still. Like that, um, that Mountain Dew commercial with Dale Jr. with the duck call, mm -hmm. that famous one where it like it ramped off, that was with us. And then um, that Jeff Gordon one with the um, oh, taxi. There was like a big Pepsi commercial oh, yeah. with the taxi. That was um, our, well, it wasn't, it, we got the cars for them and everything. And that was a insurance mess because they were definitely destroyed. But um, <laughs> yeah, so they kind of did a little bit of everything. I was the executive assistant. So I did invoicing, quoting, I did project management, project tracking. I would have to like, when we were build a show car, I'd have to keep track of like the like TRD in invoices and make sure all the body panels were accounted for and that kind of thing. And then tally up exactly how much it costs and invoice the customer, um, kind of a little bit of everything. I think that's like one of the most interesting things to me about like when you kind of take a look at NASCAR, so, you know, some of the bigger series is, is all of the smaller kind of support businesses yeah. like around it that people don't even realize exist. And like you talk about like you being surprised mm -hmm. that I even knew what JKS was, but like most people wouldn't know what JKS mm -hmm. is, but like, it's one of those things where it's like, without them, a lot of that stuff doesn't happen. Um, and like, yeah. when you, when you kind of take a look at the landscape, like, you know, when you're trying to place people with teams, like, are there still enough of those businesses to place people with, um, you know, to keep kind of people in jobs going forward? Well, I mean, JKS has had to downsize dramatically. Um, so Sprint being with Sprint gone, Monster does most of their stuff in house. Mm -hmm. Um, and then show cars, they they've kind of fallen off a little bit too. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, I think, a shortage, but to a point like COVID, I have a lot of friends who worked at marketing companies and lost jobs because I mean they weren't going to the track anymore. They didn't need this talent, like they didn't need managers for talent. They didn't need managers for displays. They didn't need people to like 
screen displays because there wasn't any mm. type of thing. So I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how what post COVID looks like in terms of um, the track entertainment and um, support, because I think everybody's kind of realized maybe that it's it, maybe it was over a little, little overkill. I don't know. Like I, I was just at Bristol and I was like, there's nothing here. There was mm -hmm. like two displays. Now I, I know there's only 30,000 people anyway, there anyway, but um, it'll be interesting to see if some of these companies decide to put their money elsewhere instead of like at track displays and that type of thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. When you like, obviously you go and you get your associates, then you, you finish your bachelor's and then you decide to go get an MBA. Like, where was that in all of this? Was that something you kind of did consecutively or did you go back later to do that? No. Yeah. I took about four years off between my bachelor's and my um, MBA um, at JKS. I mean, I worked a nine to five. I sat behind a desk all day. I was kind of bored. Kevin was traveling a lot. Uh, I wasn't able to travel with him because I had to work. So mm -hmm. I'm like, this is, and, and also I, um, since we got married in 2015, I can now get in-state tuition rates. So I was like, hey, I can do my MBA for like $25,000. That's cheaper than my associate degree cost me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, now that, and I was actually hoping that I could get into the program I'm teaching in now. Um, the program head that ran the program passed away unexpectedly. And the program kind of went, like the motorsports program kind of went like without a leader for a good six years. And um, when they posted his job, finally, it said that you needed to have a uh, MBA or master's degree level. So I'm like, you know what? I've been thinking about it anyway. I should do it. And who knows, maybe I'll end up there one day. And then they actually hired me before I was even complete, um, with my MBA because I had it in progress. So basically if I hadn't done my MBA, I wouldn't have this job. And I was kind of hoping I would get this job. So it really worked out. Um, so I finished that in July of last year. I'm kind of considering going back and get my, uh, doctorate. I don't know. Whoa. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I I'm, I'm taking definitely a year off, but I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I'm so used to having homework all night. Like, I don't know what to do with my time. <laughs> when you like, obviously right now, you know, you're teaching and then, you know, you guys help out Longhorn and you're, you know, you're kind of doing the merch. Plus you guys have the late model team. Like how was like, what is a typical week or, you know, a typical couple of weeks look like for you with all of these things? Yeah. So if we're, if it's a week that we're racing, basically I spend Monday, Tuesday working on schoolwork. Like uh, I post lessons and grade and that kind of thing. I can pretty much get it knocked out in two long days and then I can kind of have the rest of the week to do whatever. So then like say Wednesday, I'll um, do some, probably a lot of Longhorn work. I'll go through because I do all of Longhorn merchandise ordering, uh, design. I do all the books. So I'll probably mess with that maybe come up with some new designs and make sure that we've paid our bills and that kind of thing and update the website. Then I also do Longhorn's uh, Twitter. Um, so I make sure I'm I just basically retweet a bunch of stuff on there, but I do that throughout the day. And then um, like, say like a Thursday, it's like, oh, we're getting ready to go racing. So I need to go clean the RV, go get all the groceries, clean all the bedding and the clothes and whatnot to get ready. Um, and then we go racing and then I'm tweeting the whole time. <laughs> I was like at Taswell on Saturday, I, I didn't have any phone service. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's, but, it's funny though. Like sometimes like even Taswell is a perfect example of like, there's a lot of times where it's like, you're the only one yeah. that stuff is coming out from. And it's like, it blows me away that we're like in this day and age that mm -hmm. we still have like major racing series that don't really have a great social media presence and online presence. Yeah. Have I, you I like, kinda... have you had conversations with people at these places and been like, Hey, like, what can we do to like ramp this up? Oh yeah, I had the smart idea of um, messaging the people that run Arizona Speedway for the Wild West Shootout because we went out there in January. I'm like, hey, I'll work for a pit pass. 
So they put me to work. <laughs> Bad idea. I just was trying to save 200 bucks. And here I'm running Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I probably could offer and I could probably do it, but I don't know that I want to. But I, honestly, with Taswell, I was extremely surprised that they even had it on um, streaming mm -hmm. because like this series in particular, like I remember even like two years ago, they didn't even have race monitor. I mean, because they were almost like against it weird conversation about like they thought that maybe it would prevent fans from coming type of oh thing. yeah the, the, and then, the typical old school promoter kind yeah. of and then two years things. later they have flow and i'm like what yeah. so that made me feel a little better that i couldn't tweet because i didn't have service that because it was on flow so people could at least watch it mm -hmm. type of thing but i think it's kind of almost like it's turned into like a coping mechanism for me like during the race i get so nervous that if i look down and tweet i'm not as nervous type of thing so when i was sitting there watching taswell i'm just like watching like <sighs> nerve-wracking does it like turn into a thing where because of your background and your education, like do people use you as a resource, like when it comes to marketing and business things and dirt racing, yeah. social media? I think so. I think when I start posting about like my school type of work there, people are like, oh, I didn't know you did that. And like, I'll get some people who will email me like, hey, can you take a look at the sponsorship proposal type of thing? I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, and then like, like Donald Bradshaw, um, Tim McCready's owner, mm -hmm. I made a sponsorship proposal for them. Like, I don't really, I'm not really in the I don't really want to make sponsorship proposals for people. I'd rather teach them how to make it themselves because <laughs> mm -hmm. you really have to have a personal like like relationship with somebody to make it make one good type of thing. But yeah, I have people that I actually had a student just texting me um, that was in my marketing class last semester. She lives up in Pennsylvania and she's starting like a racing jewelry company. So she's asking for advice. Like, do I do the Facebook page or the website? How do I build the website? So I, I kind of do try to help people as much as I can, at least. Have you thought about like starting some sort of business consulting, whatever, you know, kind of through this? Yeah. I mean, so when I was still at JKS, I taught myself how to um, build a WordPress website. Mm -hmm. So I made a brush fire management website and I haven't touched it since then because I'm, I kind of do already do some consulting type of thing. Like with my merchandise stuff, like Davenport reached out to me to make him some um, like leather patch hats. So I made those and build them for him. But like, I don't necessarily, I don't think have enough time to, invest majorly into it. So I just do it kind of for friends and, and that type of thing right now. But I think maybe eventually it's something I could build upon. But for now, I'm, I'm so I'm happy with my job. And then with racing keeps me busy. So I just kind of dabble in it on the side, just websites and social media and merchandise type of thing. But yeah, I've thought about it. Where are you at? Like in terms of like, obviously the six car you know, are you guys like, are you actively seeking sponsorship? Are you trying to like, you know, I know you guys don't run a full schedule now, but like, you know, <laughs> would you get back to a full schedule? Like, you know, wh where are you at kind of in terms of like the business of, of the six car? Yeah, the six car got in a very good situation with Kyle. Um, basically, Kyle's managers kind of helped us get some sponsorships. So we've actually had to kind of turn some people away, which is crazy to say. I mean, there's only so much room on the car. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a very good relationship with like Mav TV and that hot rod septic people. So we're we're pretty much happy. We're set. Like we're just kind of riding it out. And then <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's almost like with Kyle, he's a little spontaneous. So it's like, we might be racing 30 times by the end of the year type of thing. So that's like kind of full time considering for us almost. So it's, it's keeping us busy. That's for sure. But um, yeah, it's, it's weird to say people to know to people, but I'm like, we just have Kyle kind of like, I mean, he's marketable as it is. So we're happy. We're not doing it to make money. Kevin just likes to race. So <laughs> there's going to be enough, I think, to cover the bills. And I think he's trying to get another a second backup engine. So <laughs> what's it been like in terms of the response? Like, obviously, you know, you guys have had a, a ton of success in late model racing and, you know, with Davenport and all of that stuff. So it's not like you guys are like not known in the industry, but like when you show up to the racetrack now, like how different is the response versus what it used to be? 
Yeah. And I mean, like with Davenport, yeah, we got pretty big. And then, um, then we kind of stopped racing for a few years and Kevin just went and helped other people like McCready and Davenport. Um, yeah. Like when we pulled into Taswell unannounced, everyone was like, I felt like everybody was staring at us type of thing. Um, <laughs> but I mean, actually it's, it's been pretty good. Like people are very respectful of Kyle too, which helps. Um, so, I mean, they, they're just all drivers. Like they all treat him generally the same. Some of them get a little, uh, I don't want to say like probably jealous and mm -hmm. try to rough them up a little bit. They did that at uh, Portsmouth, but I mean, I think it's been very good. I I got messages like, thank you so much for coming to Taswell. That was so awesome type of thing. And yeah, it, it, it's pretty awesome. He's going to keep us busy this year. Have you noticed like an uptick in like kind of your own merch sales and Longhorn merch oh. sales because of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I had like maybe 4,000 followers back before Port Royal. And I think I, now I have, I just hit like 8,500. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't even like our, our main thing with Kyle is that we didn't want to like exploit him. Um, cause if he, he probably, if there's like a couple other teams that I know for a fact, if he would have went with them, like it would have been like this big marketing thing. Mm -hmm. And our main thing was like, we want to have fun low key, like make sure he's comfortable, that type of thing. So I don't, I try not to like go overboard. I, I don't tweet any differently than I did before him. I still do. I always do my race updates, that type of thing. Um, so yeah, it's, I've definitely gotten more attention per se. I, I think um, Kevin doesn't really use his Twitter, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. To answer your question. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm curious, like with your kind of experience on, on multiple sides of this and, and, you know, being a part of dirt racing, seeing the NASCAR stuff, like when you look at dirt racing as a whole, like, do you think the business of dirt racing is like advancing and improving do you think that it's staying the same? Like, I, I know the streaming services have obviously been mm -hmm. a massive kind of, you know, lift for everything. And, and, you know, obviously dirt racing seems to just be cool right now. Like it's like the cool yeah. kid thing to do is to be dirt racing. But like, when you look at the state of kind of the business of dirt racing, what do you think right now? Um, I think it's growing. I think that now we're getting like some of the more younger promoters and like in car owners and drivers in that have a little bit more, um, I don't want to say education, but are more aware of how things need to be and how things um, should progress from there. Um, and I think flow definitely is is an aid in, in helping create and all the streaming, but flow definitely because you have like sprint car people who are watching sprint car race and they're like, oh, I can switch over to a late model race type of thing. Um, I think it's definitely helping. And then you have tracks like Eldora, Knoxville, Port Royal, who are putting a lot of money into upgrades and making their track better and that type of thing. And I think that helps too, because we're going to be taking, take, we're going to be taken a lot more seriously. If the facility looks nice, like if your scoreboard doesn't work, like you have to start from the basics and work your way up. Um, and I think we're starting to go to a lot more facilities that at least are trying to improve. Um, Cause there's some places we go and yeah, there's no scoreboard, like don't even have bathrooms, just porta johns, like no cell service. Like, and those are things that are going to help build the sport if people are enjoying their experience i think so yeah i think it's on its way up i think i hope when you look around also like do you like do you see other things that like we should be doing or we should be doing better or you know like things maybe nascar is doing well that we're not doing well like what do you think about that yeah <laughs> i mean i know people give nascar crap but i'm like they are the top dog so maybe we should like they obviously are doing something right maybe we should kind of follow their lead a little bit and mix things up or or whatnot like i mean even some of the tracks i go to like they don't even post the race format like i i don't have i don't know how many laps this heat races like mm -hmm. simple things that 
and I, I don't necessarily know the exact answer to how to improve it all, but I mean, I just feel like a lot of these promoters are just very, just set in their ways and well, everybody else does it like this instead of thinking outside the box a little bit and like kind of doing more. Like I've seen um, the Pollard family took back over Sonoya mm -hmm. and I've noticed on their social media, like they've like picked up their game. Like they're doing um, like packages, like year packages where it comes with food and that kind of thing. Their, their branding is consistent. Like they have a new logo and it's on everything. It's simple things that a lot of these places don't even do. Like I, my biggest, one of my biggest pet peeves is when I see a dirt racing poster like uh, like a flyer on Facebook or whatever. And like, it's so busy. Like, I don't even know what track it's at because yeah. it's like 10,000 to win. And then it's like, got all this stuff. It's so busy that you don't even know wh like wh where the track is. I think I reached out to somebody last year. I'm like, what track is it at? Cause like, <laughs> it was like a little logo that was like initials. And I'm like, I don't even know what that track is. Yeah. So they actually changed it. He, he, like, luckily I knew that person. So I was like, Hey, you might want to improve on that. But yeah, I mean, there's always room for improvement. It's just a matter of finding what, like branding goes, it, it, I think a lot of it goes back to branding really and trying to create like some sort of brand identity and then kind of go from there. But I mean, some of these places don't even know what branding is probably. Can you point to like, you mentioned Sonoya there. Can you point to like a couple of tracks or a series or like a race team that you think like does things like really well? I mean, so Boyer's dirt team is very good. Um, I, I don't know why it, it's kind of like an industry joke. Like we don't know why they don't have more success than they do. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I mean, just in terms of like his shop and his employees, like they actually have health insurance. Like most of these places don't even have health insurance. Um, and then like he ties his, well, old cup, um, sponsors with the race team and, it, and their car always looks good. It's always polished, that kind of thing. Um, I think professionalism like goes a long way. Like if you show up with dirty wheels every week, like obviously it shows that you're not putting effort into your race team. Right. And that would help, I think eventually markability, markability, and then not to mention probably help you do better if you put more time and invest into your equipment type of thing too. When you're talking to your students, like about social media, like are there, you know, accounts or industries or something like that, that you kind of point them to. And it's like, Hey, here's a good example of, of how to do things the kind of the proper way. Yeah. And I even have to make sure I watch myself. Cause I'm like, wait, I'm preaching to these students not to be posted about party and drinking. And then here I'm posting a selfie with a beer kind of thing, but I'm like, but I'm old enough and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I actually post point a lot to like Dale Jr. And I make them like, actually one of their assignments this week is listening to a Dale Jr. download and then mm -hmm. writing like a, a summary, like a book report on it type of thing. And like, I'm like, what did you learn? Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I, uh, in my professionalism uh, lesson, I definitely go over like do's and don'ts and like, make sure like your name is your like handle. Don't do like baby girl, 1980 type of thing. Like it's, it's about being consistent and making sure that you are presenting yourself in a way that you want to be presentable like and like I'm, I'm also like you need to be authentic like if you like if you're like I mean you'll have you see people who are like kind of fake online right like mm -hmm. you at least need to show your personality in a non-offensive way at least um, and I think like I do that but sometimes it sometimes it rubs people the wrong way too like when I do my race updates like I'm not picking on anybody I'm just tweeting what I see so then when I get like somebody who comes in like tries to argue with me I'm like I'm not trying to argue. I'm yeah. just like, I was just tweeting what I was seeing. I'm not picking on anybody. Like, yeah, that's like one that's super annoying. But <laughs> do you have like with your students, like, are, are they all kind of like on the track that they want to do NASCAR or like, are they, are there people thinking like, Hey, I'm going to come here and learn so I can go do dirt racing things or IndyCar or whatever. 
Yeah. So I have one who's extremely into sports cars and I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help you that much, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, it's all the same. Like yeah, it's oh, all sure. the same in terms of the business and, and what they learn. It's just a matter of what series or track it is. But yeah, I have one that's extremely interested in sports cars. And then I have this other one who wants to work in dirt lane ball racing. And I'm like, oh, you sure? <laughs> but I mean, he's adamant. So I'm like, okay. And then I have this other one who's just like, I don't know, we'll see where I end up. I'm like, okay. So, I mean, yeah, it, there is definitely a wide range. And I would say probably half of my students are more interested in dirt, but I'm like, they have, they are realistic knowing that the job might be more in the NASCAR world type of thing. Like I probably wouldn't like, say I didn't have this job. I don't think I would take a job in dirt racing because I enjoy dirt racing so much. I want to go watch it and mm -hmm. hang out and that kind of thing. I, I don't think I would want to work, do like doing world of outlaw scoring or something, because then you don't actually get to enjoy it. You know what I mean? So I, I try to convince that to some of them who want to work in like say dirt or something. I'm like, well, I mean, this might be okay for like a day job. And then you can do that on like the weekends or volunteer or that kind of thing. So I mean, it's a balance. What do you think is your future? I would love to know like what you kind of think of the next five years, 10 years, like for yourself, like, is it something where you're happy at that school and you want to stay there as long as you can, or like, do you have other kind of bigger things you'd like to do? Yeah. So I'm technically an instructor and um, I would like to be the program chair of the program. Um, the only bummer to that is I wouldn't get my summer off anymore, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I hope I'm there for 20 years until I retire type of thing. Well, I guess I'd be more than 20, maybe 30, but yeah. yeah, I hope to be there forever. It's um, I'm just, I have a lot of work cut out for me to try to kind of rebuild the program from when that um, the program chair originally passed away and that type of thing. That's kind of why I did the MBA initially, right? Is to get the program chair job. So I'm hoping I'll have that within, I hope my boss doesn't listen, like two to three years. <laughs> he knows. He actually jokes. He's like, don't take my job yet. Um, so I hope to have that in two to three years and then um, focus on getting more students and, and placing them and kind of having a good cycle going. But then, I mean, our dirt racing stuff on the side is fun. That keeps me occupied. So yeah, like I could see myself doing the program chair and then having like my little consulting business on the side type of thing. But um, I, I've, I used to work very like, I, I was in so much student debt that I was very like paycheck, like, oh, I need to make this amount of money. Um, now that I'm more like financially stable, I'm like, I, I like, why work super hard doing all this stuff when I don't have to necessarily. I want to be able to enjoy life. I want to be able to go to these races with Kevin and, and just hang out and watch races and that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with where I am. I just hope that it, um, that I can be, that I can continue the program for this long. <laughs> How long, like when you were at the program before versus kind of where it is now and like, almost like where you would like to take it, like, is it the same now versus when you went through has like, have the course offerings changed, have the things that you guys talk about changed? And like, do you think they need to change more? Yeah, um, it's very, I mean, it's the same classes, but it's very different. Um, most of my teaching is online. So it's missing a lot of the camaraderie that there was when I was in the program. Plus I would have classes with like 30 students. Um, and now I'm, I'm lucky if I have 10 in a class. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that is a problem with online learning is that there's no like connection there. Um, Cause with the old program chair, like he literally made us go do networking events and that kind of thing. We had to do, I think like three a semester to get like a, um, like a 10% to our grade. So if we didn't do them, we would get a B no matter what. Mm -hmm. I can't force students to go do these types of things since we're online learning. Um, so that's, I think a major problem. I would like to offer um, like our fabrication class, for example, used to be very just sheet metal kind of thing. Um, now we're trying to incorporate, okay, different composites and carbon fiber and, and at least give them a knowledge of this type of stuff. So that's definitely had to change. Same with the marketing, like, of course, marketing now, like when I was um, in the program, like you would do a sponsorship proposal for a whole season, like 
there's no primary sponsorships anymore other than yeah. I think FedEx, right? Um, and then like the organizational mobility class, we had to make a project where we went to like three tests, then to a track and all this it, riding in the buses. And I'm like, that doesn't apply anymore. We don't have tests. Everybody flies for the most part. Mm -hmm. So I don't even have that type of project in the class anymore. So yeah, I'm, when I came in, I basically, the program content hadn't really been touched since like 2011. Um, so I had a lot of work to do. So I've, I've pretty much taught every class now that I've been there and, and I've revamped it all. And then now I just have to kind of upkeep and go and, and change things as it changes. But yeah, I would like to see more, I think of, um, the mo more modern technological type of stuff. Um, but at the same time, it's it's an associate degree. It's supposed to be kind of not generic, but entry level. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these students, they kind of come in to these race shops with like, they have knowledge, but they're moldable. They're not like these old school guys who are like, oh, I've done it this way for 20 years. They're, they're open to whatever. So, I mean, that's a very good positive thing about these students too, I think. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the time today. I want you to give me the, like the elevator pitch for your program. Like if somebody is watching this and they want to maybe go this direction, like why should they come see you? I mean, well, we're, we have major ties with the industry. We're only about 10 minutes from Charlotte Motor Speedway program has been around for 20 years and they get to focus both on the business and technology side of the sport. So when they come out, they can kind of decide what direction they want to go into and it's community college. So it's very affordable. There, that's about it. <laughs> so, uh, and then on top of that, if people want some like six car merch or some longhorn yeah. merch, like where can they go find those things? Well, stuff with Kyle's name on it's on shopkylelarson.com. <laughs> and then stuff with just the six in Rumley engineering is on um, klrumley.com and then longhorn chassis has their merchandise too as you can see with your head awesome <laughs> yeah cool well uh thanks for the time today and uh, good luck going forward thank you thank you for having me thanks again to jacqueline for the time i hope you enjoyed our conversation if you'd like to keep up with her on twitter you can find her at jack brush that's j-a-c-q-b-r-u-s-h there you can find links to all the things that she's involved with, including the race team and Longhorn Chassis. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit DirtTracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.